Oh, baby, we got ourselves a tasty little show today. There's this game tonight. Bucks versus the Brooklyn Nets at the Pfizer Forum. Game six, do or die for your Milwaukee Bucks. Will the Slim Reaper show up again and just dismantle the deer? Or will Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday and company, and with uh, one of our listeners' favorites, Bobby's favorite, Mike Budenholzer, show up and take down the Nets to force a Game 7 out in Brooklyn. Well, more will be revealed. Also, Aaron Rodgers' watch continues. We'll have our guy Rob Reichel at 820 from Forbes.com to talk about it as Jay Glazer, the Fox's NFL insider, kind of saying what I think we already kind of know, but when more of a guy in the quote-unquote knows says it, you kind of pay a little attention to it. So we'll talk some Aaron Rodgers' watch and the Packers themselves. And then, Rowdy... What I think we got to do, and I know they're in first place still. It just, it just, I, I feel like we got to do this. Oh! The Milwaukee Booers or the Milwaukee Ewers. They get swept by the Cincinnati Reds. Swept by the Reds. It's another game. With only, what, less than six hits? Would they have five hits last night or last yesterday afternoon? As the Milwaukee Ewers just looked abysmal. Again, starting pitching is absolutely incredible. Freddie Peralta, seven innings, two runs, five hits, striking out six. But the Brewers' offense struck out 12 times to Tyler Mayle. And Rowdy, Rowdy, Milwaukee in the series against the Reds? Only totaled nine hits and four runs in three games. Yeah, it's pitiful. And not only that, but um, remember how we said they started to climb out of that batting average cellar? They're now in the cellar by themselves by more than three points. Oh, my God. And here's the other thing, dude, which is no bueno. Well, it was funny yesterday, but now it's (laughs) – I know it was tough, but, you know, a three-team parlay is tough. But Rowdy, in the Razor's Edge yesterday at 650 and 850, he did the FU parlay. Rowdy, start with the winners and end with the losers of what the FU parlay was. Yeah, so we got uh, wins with the Houston Astros. They took care of business against the terrible Texas team. We got a win with the San Francisco Giants as, once again, they handed the Arizona Diamondbacks another road loss, their 22nd consecutive road loss, and then we had the Brewers. So with those three teams, though, you said um, if if they don't win and you rattle them off individually, you said if you don't win, F you. If you don't win, F you. If you don't win, F you. Do you have anything to say to uh, any of these teams? Huh? Yeah, I mean, the Milwaukee Brewers can basically just go – can go – F themselves. Did I swear? No. Oh. Oh, sorry. I thought you, I don't know what you're saying. What'd you say? Nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah, they can go they can go F themselves. Sorry, Rowdy. Um yes. So the Milwaukee Brewers, Rowdy, can I guess are we going Ewers or, or Ewers or Booers today? Both. Interchangeable. <laughs> Interchangeable. The Milwaukee Ewers. I can't believe it, dude. Um struck out twelve times. A total of nine hits and four runs in the series. In the series, my friends. I don't know what how... This is just the team, right? This is just what it is going to be, right? You mean a team that can't hit the baseball? Yeah, this is them. This is the Brewers. This is, this is what they are. I have no reason to believe that they're all of a sudden going to hit the baseball unless they make a trade and somehow acquire a, a great player, which I don't see happening, by the way. Um, we're going to bring that up today because I was uh, reading a very interesting article about it. Uh, Rowdy, our pack, or a guy, Packers underscore JT, said, did, did Rowdy hit the other two on his parlay then? He, he did. Yes. He did. Rowdy hit the other two in his parlay. And they weren't even really close games. I think it was 8-4 to four and 13-3, to 13-4. He hit them. No problem. Here's the thing. It's hard to lose three times in a row. Isn't that the old adage in sports, Nelly? It's it's oh, hard. In baseball. To, it's hard to beat a team three times. Don't we hear it in all sports? In baseball, it's the best teams in baseball win two thirds of their games. The worst teams in baseball win a third of their games. So <laughs> the Brewers got swept by the Cincinnati Reds. The Brewers lost two to one. The Brewers literally against the Reds. Who, who's got the worst bullpen in the majors? Well, and that's the other thing. The Reds do have the worst bullpen in the majors, and 
The Milwaukee Brewers saw their bullpen for nine innings throughout those three games. Couldn't score one earned run on them. The only run that they scored against the bullpen was an inherited runner that got to start at second base. And that was an extra innings. And that was an extra innings. Brewers on Monday lose 10-2 to to the Cincinnati Reds. The Brewers muster up four hits. The Brewers then go on to lose Tuesday to the Cincinnati Reds 2-1. to The Brewers muster up. You ready for this? Let's see where to go here. Four hits. And Rowdy, the Brewers, let's see here. Last night, just, oh, my God, I don't even... I don't even. I can't even. I can't even say it anymore. The Brewers lose again, two to one. So going into the series, the Cincinnati Reds bullpen was literally barely under an ERA of six. It was in the five nines. Yeah. Just this series against the Milwaukee Brewers, where they threw nine innings and gave up zero runs. Because mm-hmm. you would think, uh, you know, numbers tell you if they had to pitch nine full innings that their ERA and they would have given up about six, five to six runs in that nine innings. Yeah. Well, they gave up zero. It lowered that team ERA from just, it was like five, nine something to almost five and a half. They almost lowered their bullpen ERA by half a run just from the series against the Milwaukee Brewers (laughs) and how pitiful they were against them. (laughs) No, no. And by the way, and by the way, they're still the worst bullpen in baseball. (laughs) No, no. Well, here's the other thing that's the mind F. The Brewers are still first place in the NL Central. They're 38 and 30. Here's in the Chicago Cubs. As the as the Brewers were getting swept by the Cincinnati Reds, the Chicago Cubs couldn't win either. They just did they just get swept too by the freaking uh, New York Mets, or do they have? Uh, oh, it's a four game. Yeah, series. I was gonna say I'm pretty sure they play today. It's a four game series. All right, so there you go. The Chicago Cubs uh, still, despite the Brewers helping them out, the Chicago Cubs can't pounce on it as they've lost now three times in a row to the New York Mets. So the Brewers are still first place in the NL Central. At 38 and 30. It's just wow. The NL Central is crazy. Uh, the Reds have now um, climbed up a little bit. They're only two games back, obviously, you know, beating the Brewers. They're 35 and 31. The Cardinals are, uh, let's see here, three games back at 35 and 33. Oh, the Central. Yes, Central's starting to tighten here. After the Cardinals went on that big time losing uh, bender that they were on, they've now won a few games in a row. Obviously, Cincinnati and, and Milwaukee going into that series were two of the hotter teams in baseball. Obviously, Cincinnati stayed hot. Yep. Uh, Milwaukee cooled down. Cubs were one of the hotter teams in baseball until that last series. They've cooled down now, and everyone is uh, starting to tighten up. Tighten up, baby, tighten up. So and You know yeah. what else is funny with the Brewers? What's so that? we know their starting pitching is continuing to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Freddie Peralta threw another good game last night. The bullpen has all of a sudden found some life after they've uh, – Basically, since the Willie Adamas trade, where they brought in Garrett Richards, and they've gotten a little healthier, mm-hmm. they've now climbed into middle of the pack bullpen wise, but the hitting continues to fall. And I guess, thankfully, I guess you would say, the Milwaukee Brewers can't really fall much further when it comes to hitting because they're in last overall. They're in last when it comes to hitting right-handed pitching. And they're in, I believe it's third or fourth to last when it comes to left-handed pitching. Yeah. Dude. Dude. It's tough. It's tough out there. Brewers low and run. Third when Yelly drove in Daniel Vogel back with a single to right. That, that's that. And, but just think about uh, some of the highest paid players on your uh, batting roster. You have Lorenzo Cain, who's your highest paid player. I.L. He's been on the IL almost all season, was hitting below, what was it, 220? It's non-existent. You have Christian Yelich, who had been on the IL for the majority of the season so far. He's be- he's batting below 250. Hey, hey, he got an RBI last night or yesterday afternoon. Avisel Garcia, who has been healthy, he's batting below 240. It's 239, just, just barely. And Jackie Bradley Jr., who, who has been healthy the entire season, also one of your higher paid players. Well, Rowdy, he came in for a pinch hit last night and struck out. Or yesterday afternoon. He's batting below 160 as well. 
Yeah, he's betting 153. He struck out with a pitch hitting opportunity. And if you want to throw in their top five highest paid players, you also have to throw in Colton Wong, who's been on the IL twice. But hey, Colton Wong, Craig Council says, coming back for the Rockies series that's starting tonight. I don't know if it's going to be tonight, but Colton Wong's coming back. So there's that. One man right here is hilarious to me uh, because uh, Rowdy pointed out the fact uh, in our DM group last night is like, why do Bucks fans. Now, younger Bucks fans, I should say. Rowdy, I'll just let you say it. What did you say in the group chat? Well, basically, you know, when you think about the Milwaukee Bucks and their their historic winning days, you mm-hmm. think of the 70s, right? Early 70s where it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or the Oscar, or Oscar Robertson. Yeah. It's one of those two players since that was when they won their championship. Yep. Then, obviously, you think of the 80s where they had some of the better players like Sidney Moncrief where they were good but never could get it done. Mm-hmm. And then you think of the early 2000s, like Ooh. the Glenn Robinson, Ray Allens of the world. Well, and, now it's, and now it's Giannis. Yep. Hey, don't forget about Andrew Bogut in those uh, early 90s, middle 90s, Rowdy. That was the mid-2000s. Bogut? Oh, sorry. I was thinking of Tony Kukoc a second for uh, the Bucks. <laughs> but but that's kind of like what you think of when you're when you're a Bucks fan, right? And yeah. every time they talk about a championship, it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Well, Majority of the people that say that are people that never even saw them play. <laughs> yeah, it's, the younger crowd like love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the Bucks. Yeah, and they never saw him play in the seventies. You know who they weren't even alive for it. You know who doesn't care for the Milwaukee Bucks anymore? <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He didn't care for him when he was here. Yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He forced the trade to the Lakers. Like, listen. Because he wanted to go back home. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, one of the greatest NBA players oh. of all time. Like, he's iconic. Home, home. Iconic. The Bucks never would have won a championship if it wasn't for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, though, I don't think he likes the Milwaukee Bucks. In fact, I think he hates the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't Bucks. think I've ever heard him say anything positive about the franchise or the team. When Giannis Adenakumbo won his first MVP award, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was up there to present the award. He didn't even bother to learn how to pronounce Giannis's name. That's so much he cares about the Milwaukee well, every Bucks. Every time, yeah, and every time that he's asked to like do something for like the Bucks, like you said with that award, or you know, show up to a game for some like seventies night or whatever, it always feels like when you're talking to him or when he's there, it feels like a chore. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's not something he wants to do. It feels like a chore. Well, as long as they don't bring. A '80s singer to '70s night. Oh, like uh, <laughs> when they brought when they brought Ja Rule in for '90s '90s night. night, and he's like, "What well, about 2000s, 2000s artist artist to '90s night?" He's like, "Hey, but yeah. goes into his thing. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> the reason why I bring this up, um, let's see here. Yesterday he was on the Four Letter Network, and Rachel Nichols has asked him uh, if he thinks the current Bucks team is capable of winning a title. Well, here's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Do you think that this Bucks team, the way it is now, do you think that this team is capable of winning a title? No, I don't. I, you know, <laughs> KD would kill those guys. Right? I mean, he is no, killing them. He finds the open guy. He, you know, he, he he could do that by himself. He, they they got to do a better job. You know, the, the whole team has to play differently so that KD, one guy, can't just dominate like that. I mean, he's not wrong. He's like he's he's bought out KD. Decimated the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, like we saw that happen. He's not wrong. Uh, just I, I also don't think he's wrong in the fact that this team that they currently have mm-hmm. can't win an NBA championship. Yeah, I mean the first the first title Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had ever won. I mean he won six of them in two decades, and the, only the first one came with the Bucks. And then he's like, "Get me the hell out of here, dude." Yeah, and I mean they made two NBA championship finals. Uh, won one of them, and then they kind of went downhill for a couple of years before Don Nelson took over. And then those Sidney Moncrief, like late 70s into the 80s teams were probably the best run of the Bucks. Yeah. But you were dealing with uh, the Celtics. Then it went into the, like, the Bucks were the better team over the Bulls before Jordan got there. Yeah. And even into early on in Jordan's career, they were still the better team than the Bulls. They were the number three team in the Eastern Conference for the longest time. Yeah. 
Now, wow. here's the thing. The, the franchise itself, the Milwaukee Bucks, I don't think – well, the franchise itself was not the issue per se. It was the city of Milwaukee. It was the state of Wisconsin. It was the society and how it was different compared to California – L.A. compared to you read the, the little Midwest. puppy who lost its way. Yeah, like the, the kid that, society. <laughs> that, let's be real here. That's it's not the franchise of the Milwaukee Bucks per se. It's you know that's where it happens to reside. Well, it did become the franchise because and then yes, I and mean, then later on, obviously. Shortly, I mean, and for keeping the team here in Wisconsin, thanks Herb Cole, but he decidedly stopped spending money. Yes. Well, that's um, also if you. That's also because department stores started to go downhill. Well, that was that. <laughs> that took a, a long time. Plus, yeah, when when he became a senator, he had to sell it off anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in, in the Twitch chat, we have guys saying, to, uh, "Packers JT <laughs> says I'm just going to say this here: the Bucks weren't the problem. It was the Milwaukee, the city of." Oh, let's see here. I got some phone lines. Yeah, there seem to be a lot of players who are like, "I'd love to play with Giannis." I don't want to go to Milwaukee. Do you, yeah. do you remember when Greg Monroe signed with the Bucks, yeah. and we're like, okay, well, right. he said now, no to the Knicks. He said no to like the yeah. We're like, okay, uh, the, now they're going to be Lakers, able to maybe. start recruiting some of these bigger prize free agents because what at the time, guy? Greg Monroe <laughs> was one of the bigger free agents on the market. Yeah. yeah, and then you figured out that the reason he was so good was because Andre Drummond was the guy that was basically. Um, Basically, when both of those guys were on the court together, Drummond was drawing all the attention. Yeah, yeah. And it let Greg Monroe play like he he could. Hello but um, yeah, there was a lot of hope with that signing. Yeah. But that qu- quickly dissipated well, I, I mean, once he started playing for from the Bucks. starting with Kareem and him wanting to leave, and then oh, the thing that I always scratch my head as is like why you couldn't even bother to learn Giannis's name when you're presenting the award of the MVP to him like that. That There's made me raise an eyebrow. For that. Do we have a soundbite. Yeah, like. Yeah, I can, I'll get it. There's like, one reason. You don't care. Yeah. yeah, he Yeah. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Uh, this is Pete. Pete, I knew, I knew, I knew it. I could feel it in the ether, Pete. What's going on today? Oh well, I want to talk about Kareem because uh, he and I got to Milwaukee in the same time. I I was a freshman in uh, at Marquette, and he was starting with the Bucks. Yeah, please do tell and Pete because you have very, very good experiences with this. So the stage well, is yours. Yeah, he almost ran over me once that we we were we were at the same bank. He was so tall. Honest to God, he was so tall he didn't even see me. And I'm almost six feet tall. He didn't. That's why he almost ran over I me. I just love it. He didn't even see he me. He didn't see me. He we were filling out a deposit slip and and he didn't see me because uh, it you know, I no 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 offense, but he's kinda looked like a giraffe. That's how big he was. Well, yeah, yeah, he's like he's he's insinely tall. Like he's a, a huge stature, you know? Oh, first of all, uh, he, he might have wanted to go home, but home is New York. I mean, home's right. not Los Angeles. Yeah. The other thing about it was that the, the general public didn't know that he'd become a Muslim. You know, he, he'd already changed his name. And, and I don't think that he had a, a Muslim community there yeah. in Milwaukee at the time. I mean, it was, well, to, you know, to, to use, uh, 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 uh politically correct speech it wasn't as diverse as it is now so he i think he wanted to go someplace where totally. you know he could he could find you know well he could practice his religion and 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 find lots of other black people like you know which yeah. were it, milwaukee wasn't like that then mm-hmm. so that I, that's why and and i don't i I, th- I don't know if he hated milwaukee or not i think you know but i think he was lonely well that's that's it i mean you you, well, yeah, I mean, if you're him at the if movies if by himself, you know, Pete, I'd imagine you feel lonely. like you'd be like if you're, you're like a stranger in the city that you live in. Like, how would that? How would anyone feel good about that? You yeah, know? I felt like that when I lived in Des Moines. You know, <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah. Yes. So you know, I I I I don't think he he doesn't have any. If if they have him do Bucks, uh, you know, uh, alumni stuff, they must really be twisting his arm, or he needs money really bad because yeah. he he has no affinity for Des Moines, uh, not Des Moines. I mean, uh, Milwaukee at all. <laughs> Sounds like Pete, Pete no has no affinity, affinity for Des Moines. Pete, I was just in uh, Dubuque the other day for the first time ever checking it out. And I'm like, yeah, I could, 
I can I can see why people don't want to be here sometimes. <laughs> well, the, 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 the Des Moines, at least, is a bigger city. I yeah. mean, it's the size of Madison. Dubuque's just a little, you know, river river town hamlet. Yeah. But anyway, he was, you know, he was. I think he was miserable there. But you know, he he got him the one title. Otherwise, than that, so you know, to, to make Bucks fans happy, you you should do everything you can to get Luka Doncic when he's a free agent. <laughs> He'll fit into Milwaukee really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pete, you're not wrong man yeah. so hey pete do you think the bucks are going to get her done uh, in the series or is it game game over good night michelle no i don't know they might win tonight but i don't think they'll i don't think they'll beat uh brooklyn brooklyn's just better brooklyn's better with with uh one one arm tied behind their back they're <laughs> you know and and i don't think that's Budenholzer's fault they're oh, yeah. just oh. you know they just don't have the personnel yeah uh, pete i'm glad you can share that cream and told bar story it's pretty funny man <laughs> <laughs> take care pete bye-bye uh, let's go to line two. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Izzy. Izzy, what's up? Izzy, long time no talk. What's up, man? Yeah, what's happening? How's retirement going? Great. Great. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> Izzy, I, got, I still got to work Starting a little tomorrow. longer. I got to yeah. work a little longer, Izzy, all right? And Izzy, I'm yeah. glad you called in, too, because you have a really good uh, you know, uh, insight yeah. into this, obviously. Yeah. So the stage is yours, my friend. And I'm from Milwaukee, and I was there when, when Kareem came, so... First of all, you guys are talking about my all-time favorite basketball player. I love it. Is okay. he, is, do you find it weird that guys like you know, younger people, like people like our age who've never seen it and never uh, experienced it, kind of gravitate towards well, it? Well, well, they need to go to the tape because, you know, just like KD balled out, I can remember in playing against the Celtics in the playoffs, I think he hit something like six straight sky hooks in a row. Man. Okay. Love I love the skyhook. I love the skyhook. So 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 this guy is is the real deal. And I'll argue anybody that he's the greatest of all time. Okay. I, well, I, I but, don't think anyone would argue against you. This guy is I mean, he is iconic, yeah. you know. Right. So but here's the thing. We did have a black community in Milwaukee. But let let's be honest about this. Milwaukee was never the friendliest place for African Americans. Period. Yeah, I don't think it, I, I don't think it still is, is it? No, it isn't. Yeah. It isn't. Yeah. It let's be. I mean, if we're going to be honest, let's be honest. Right. Yeah. So, so we get you got to factor in what it was like being an African American, a black man, a Muslim, somebody that's several feet taller than the average person <laughs> living in Milwaukee yeah. in the 1970s. Come on now. I mean, that's, that's got to be tough. Right. He played out his contract. He didn't say, I want to be traded. Or he played out his contract, and he went to where he wanted to be. Players today do that all the time. Yeah. Now, so my, my question is, is he... Let's not have a hate fest on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No, 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 no. There's, no, there's no hate. No, there's no hate fest on okay. it. My, my question was, is the, we brought it up because the fans nowadays that see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar come and he can't, he doesn't know Giannis's name presenting the MVP and he just has like a disdain for the organization, it seems like. And we were wondering why people. I, I, I don't think, I, I don't really think he does. Nine people out of 10 can't say Giannis's last name. Am I being right? Come on, let's be honest. No, you are. That. I guess I'm a little different on that because we say it every day. Well, and like, but he's also yeah, right. But you guys are the media. Yeah. You guys are the media. Even you, guys you, in the media, guys? when you hear them, they just stop at Giannis. Yeah. You right. know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Uh, okay. so, Izzy, don't get me wrong, so, man. I love me some Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I, we were just bringing right. up like this uh, this newer yeah, wave of fans. Has, I don't think he hates the franchise. I just think he started out, played his career there. It wasn't the... You know, it didn't fit him culturally. Yeah. And then he went somewhere that was more palatable. And who wouldn't want to go to play with the Lakers? Come on. Oh, yeah, totally. Even but, LeBron yeah. did that. Even LeBron did that. So, Izzy, oh. let me ask you, man, um, and there's no hate fest on Kareem here. Let me ask you, though, on this current state of the Milwaukee Bucks, and I know you've been a diehard Bucks fan your whole life, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen in this series, Izzy? Well, uh, I mean, let's be honest. Um, the Nets created a super team. Right, yep. with three mm-hmm. MVPs basically, yep. and even with with one or two of them out, they're probably better than the Bucks. I think they're going to win tonight, and I think they're going to go to a seventh game. The Nets may be better, but you know what? If they can win tonight and go to a seventh game, you know what we always say in the seventh game: Hey, anybody, anything can happen. Yeah, you know? 
Yeah. God, I hope so, Izzy. Hey, Izzy, yeah. we appreciate the insight, man. It's been too long. We love yep. you calling in. So keep it, keep them coming, man. We love it. All right. Bye. All right, thanks, man. Look at that. I love it. A little different topic for us, obviously. I love the insight. Pete from Monona, Izzy, bringing it. As it all started with this new wave of Bucks fans. It's like, well, it's like the people that say that they love Babe Ruth. That's like their favorite baseball player. Milwaukee Bucks going uh, game six tonight against the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to dive into that as uh, it's do or die for the deer. They have their backs against the wall. Kevin Durant, the Slim Reaper, just put on a historic performance on them at the Barclays Center in game five. <laughs> you think they'd learn from their lesson, right? And uh, I don't know, put like maybe double team Durant or put uh, Giannis on him. Giannis was saying that he was wanted to guard him. I don't know what they're going to do. I just know that they got to stop KD. James Harden is going to play. Kyrie Irving, I think I read yesterday, is out for the rest of the series against the Milwaukee Bucks if it are to go to seven. If it is to go to seven. So that must be a pretty bad sprain then. Yeah, it's got to be. Well, yeah, no doubt. James Harden. Here's the thing, though. James Harden's not even James Harden. James Harden looks like a like a malfunctioning clone of himself. It doesn't. That's not James Harden. Who is that? I have no. Is it a, the one of the defective lizard people? Like shape shifted something else? I have no idea. It is just pretty funny because James Harden looks like he gains weight from not being active for like two weeks. Yeah, and he definitely looked like a shell of himself out there. He looked like he was not one, two, or three steps slow. He was pretty bad uh, from the field. He he played the second most amount of minutes, too. That's the thing. It was Jeff Green, a little bit of Blake Griffin, and then all Kevin Durant. It was uh, – I still can't get over that performance from KD. It was wild, dude. But the Bucks have their work cut out for them, and a team has not yet won on the road. So that's going in the Bucks' favor is they have the home crowd, the Pfizer forms full up. We'll see what happens. I don't think the Bucks really have a great solution when it comes to guarding – Kevin Durant because they really don't have a guy that profiles to be able to do so. Oh, PJ Tucker did good at the Pfizer game. Exactly. Four. Being really physical, but he's still a guy that's six foot five, <laughs> like KD six ten. Like he, and we talked about his wingspan earlier in the week, how it's, what was it? Seven, three or whatever it was. It was something ridiculous like that. And when you oh, have a guy seven, that's five. six, ten, his wingspan seven, five. Yeah. Wingspan of seven, five. I don't care if you're 6'5 and physical. He's still going to get shots off. He's still going to get a lot of shots that he wants because he's just that much bigger and longer than you. And the only guy that really profiles exactly, uh, or I guess closer to Kevin Durant, would be Giannis. Mm -hmm. But we've seen what happened in games one and two when Giannis covered Kevin Durant. He was on skates. Yeah, he was. He had to go pick up his jock sometimes. Kevin Durant... (laughs) got buckets whenever he wanted them. Giannis, even though he's first-team all-NBA defensive player, doesn't matter. He couldn't stop Kevin Durant. I think the only thing that you can do moving forward, since you don't exactly have a player that can stop him, especially when he's hot like he was, is trying something different that you haven't done yet, and that's probably helping double a little bit yeah, and maybe coming maybe coming off of James Harden a little bit just because he looks so hobbled if he still looks like the same uh, player he was in game five. Here, speaking of James Harden and that, Rowdy, but you're totally right. Uh, double up KD. But something that was just very prevalent and, uh, I mean, it was hitting me in the face. I think it was hitting everyone in the face, even if he didn't have any eyesight, hearkening Dave from Monona, was why didn't you attack – if you're the Bucks and if you're Mike Budenholzer, the coach, having that game plan, why aren't you attacking James Harden relentlessly? Every possession down the floor. James Harden has a bum hamstring. Do you think James Harden's playing if Kyrie Irving doesn't roll the ankle? Because he, he went from out to doubtful to questionable than to playing. Pro- probably not. Yeah. Just because... They know what their roster is. Mm-hmm. They know that it's it's really top heavy. Mm-hmm. Kind of like kind of like the Bucks are more top heavy this year. But I'd say that the the Bucks seem to be even deeper than Brooklyn is now. Yeah. I yeah. Don't, I don't. Yeah. I don't think he would have played because I don't. I think the the thinking from the Brooklyn Nets would be we're still better than the Bucks with two of our best three. Yeah. 
and no, he wouldn't need to play. But now, obviously, Kyrie Irving spraining his ankle throws a curveball in on this. Yep, totally. I don't. I don't think Kevin Durant's, or I'm sorry, I don't think James Harden's playing if Kyrie Irving doesn't roll the ankle. But I mean, look at the production from uh, Harden in Game Five. He was he was basically just a body out there that could maybe pass the ball around the key a little bit. Attack James Harden literally every possession. When I saw Giannis Antetokounmpo in Game Five, late in the fourth quarter one-on-one on James Harden, and Giannis waved off his team, says, I got this, and instead of driving to the rack as he's got five, six inches on James Harden and both working hamstrings, Giannis waves him off to settle for a fadeaway jumper that he bricks. I said to myself, "What's what are we doing? What's going on here? What's happening? And am, I, am I taking crazy pills? And that shouldn't just be Giannis. Even if that's like Drew Holiday and everybody, everyone. Harden, all of those guys are much quicker, more athletic than a hobbled James Harden. Mm-hmm. It's, Every single one of them should have been whoever that should have been the focus. Get the ball to the guy that is being covered by James Harden and let them distribute and attack, attack, attack game five. James Harden was one for 10 shooting. Oh, of eight from three point land. But that's the other thing. Five points. That's the other thing. The Bucks didn't do a lot of distributing or moving the basketball. No, they just kind of stood. They, they really went into straight ISO basketball in the second half. And look what they did in the first half. They were up by 16 and a half, 17, you know, midway through the third. But in the third, you could feel the momentum shift because they started going that ISO ball. And all of a sudden, they're like, it, you could feel the nerves in the box through the television set. And ISO, ISO basketball works to a point, especially in the NBA where you have superstars and you have great players. Like, But look at the five games. Look at the five games. Obviously, Brooklyn's won three out of the five. In one out of those five games, Kevin Durant took over. And he won basically on nearly ISO basketball because he can do he can do that. Look at the first two games when it was Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. They were moving the basketball so well. They were getting open looks. Beautiful. They were they were getting wide open lanes to the to the hoop, and even guys like Blake Griffin were getting wide open jump shots. Or Joe Green, he or not Joe Green, Joe Harris, he just wasn't hitting them. Jeff Green obviously wasn't even available those first couple of games, but the Nets moved the basketball extremely well in games one and two, yep. and they won handedly. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's. I uh, Mike Budenholzer. That's why his voice is sounding hoarse uh, in the comments we were playing earlier. I think Booty is looking at himself in the mirror and just screaming at himself, "Why can't you remember to make adjustments? Or why can't you remember to go with what got you here instead of reverting to this ISO ball that just." Like it makes sense if you're if you're playing some isolations if you have certain players on your roster, like the Kobe Bryant's of the world, <laughs> like the Michael Jordans of the world. We're naming all time greats here. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah. You're naming some of the best players to ever play, or some of the best players in the league. You look at the Bucks. Giannis isn't a guy that I want to play isolation basketball with when it's in his hands no. because I know there's only one thing he can actually do with it. And that's drive it to the hoop. Mm-hmm. I know he's not pulling up for a jumper. And if he is, I'm not scared that he's well, taking it. Well, if he is, it's going to be in the third and the fourth quarter the, when you're like, what are you doing? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If I'm if I'm the opponent, I know exactly what he's doing. He's going to drive to the hoop. That's where we're going to set up that wall. And I think we've talked about this before. Do you think, honestly, that the reason why he starts settling for these jumpers mid-range game is because he doesn't want to get to the free throw line? I mean, I think that's part of it. It's got to be in his head. It has to be. But then... Think but about like, how much that limits you if you or how just much get to that the rack and see what happens. If you know that he's only going to charge in at you, because no one's scared of Giannis taking any jumpers. No, they give him ten to fifteen feet. They're like, hey, have at it, dude. Shoot away. The only the only guy on this on this Bucks basketball team, I think everyone would agree with, where you wouldn't mind seeing more isolation basketball, is Chris Middleton. That he's the best isolation basketball player on this Milwaukee Bucks team. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. The only thing is, what do we know about Chris Middleton? He's he's a low level number two, and he's also a guy that the <laughs> seemingly seems to shrink when the when the lights get brighter. Yeah, so wrong. that's not a guy that you necessarily want to have uh, playing isolation basketball late in big meaningful games against talented teams because he's your best option, but your best option seems to shrink. And in your best option, and I I hate to bring up the stat, but it's apropos for the conversation. In the final eight minutes of Game Five, the number two Chris Middleton, who gets paid the highest amount of money on the court for the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo Supermax has not kicked in yet. Chris Middleton in the final eight minutes of the game against the Brooklyn Nets in Game Five. 
Rowdy, you brought the stat up yesterday. Bring it up again, please. Yeah, 0 for 4 shooting, just one rebound. For That's four, all he totaled. 0 for 4 shooting, one rebound in the final eight minutes of a must-win game against the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA's playoffs. And if you don't necessarily want him playing ISO basketball down the stretch all the time, you definitely don't want Giannis playing ISO basketball from the top of the key. You know who I think needs to have the hand, the ball in their hands more? It's Drew Holiday. It's the guy that's actually a point guard. It's mm. the guy that's going to distribute the basketball. Now, I'm not saying I don't want it in uh, Chris Middleton's hands at all. That's just not true. I just don't think they could, should continuously do that. They need to work on moving the basketball like they were more in, what was that, game three? Are the Bucks favored by five and a half points tonight? Am I reading this right? The Bucks favored by five and a half at the Pfizer? Five and a half points. Wow. That's correct. Ooh. Uh, thick cheddar. What's up, man? Good morning. He says, we all know deep down the bucks just don't have what it takes to win the title, but hearing it out of the mouth of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar this morning hurt my soul. <laughs> Here's what Kareem said real quick, uh, to Rachel Nichols on the four letter network. We're very happy with their two time MVP, but they would be even happier if they could get a Kareem like title <laughs> there back in Milwaukee. So we will follow that as well. Giannis and those guys are, um, you know, I, I've been there to, to see them play. Mm-hmm. They're an incredible team. But, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, it, it, sometimes it's uh, just you, you can't get the right team to go as far as you want it to go. But it, it's still a great team, and it wins the support of, of, of all the fans. Do you are just going to have to figure out a, a, a better a better approach. Do you think that this Bucks team, the way it is now, do you think that this team is capable of winning a title? No. Oof. I don't. I, you know, KD would kill those guys. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, agree with him. He's not wrong. I, I agree with him, too. I just don't know just, why. Just, to, as Dick Jenner said, yeah, it hurts the soul a little bit. I just don't know why Bucks fans would really care that he says it. I mean, he's not wrong. He's right. If the Bucks have some miraculous. No, I think they win tonight. The question is, what happens game seven at the Barclays Center where no team is yet to win on the road? That's that's the question, right? June 21st, Major League Baseball is going to be, uh, you know, start handing down suspensions for people to get caught with the sticky stuff, sticky substances, spider tack, pine tar, you name it. Uh, no word on yet if they are uh, going to ban people for having just old hair grease, you know, Corbin Burns in a long flow. But, you know. Wouldn't that, like, inhibit? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, so Major League Baseball has been looking at spin rate, illegal substances, and cracking down on violators. Now the theory is Major League Baseball teams uh, or Major League Baseball told teams last week it planned to start handing out these suspensions to pitchers who were caught using these illegal substances to improve the grip on uh, their balls. Since then, they said that they're going to do the spin rate has dropped. Offense kind of gone up a little bit, unless you're the Milwaukee Brewers. Now um, I'm looking here at the Daily Herald. Suburban Chicago's information source. Source. And let's see here. The Mike McGraw, the guy who writes for this. I've never even heard of the Daily Herald. No, he's he's a he's a Cubs wonk. So so how does this here you go? Check this out. This is how hilarious this is of all they already uh, claim the Cubs innocent of any wrongdoing immediately. So how does this affect the Cubs? Hard to tell since Cubs pitchers as a group are notoriously low in spin rate and velocity, but it's possible. Some key rivals could be affected. Not the Cubs. Key rivals. Has to be the Cardinals, because I've been told the Brewers and Cubs are not rivals. Well, RJ, here's what they go right into on the Daily Herald, Chicago's suburban information source. One area this could affect the Cubs is with the NL Central rival. Oh, okay. The Milwaukee Brewers. Hmm. Again, weren't we told that that wasn't rivals? Yep. We've been, been been told by Cubs fans. Yeah. They're not right. And Cubs players. Yeah. So uh, this could affect the Cubs and with the NL Central rival Milwaukee, which has three strong starters on their staff with Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. Will any of these guys lose effectiveness? Now they say, the writer yeah. Mike McGraw says, on one hand, it could be argued that Burns' improvement was due to the development of a devastating cutter. He rarely used that pitch in 2019, but now throws it 57% of the time. 
according to BaseballSavant.com, where all the spin rate data can be found. Then again, the top three pitchers in average cutter spin rate this season are Bauer, former Cubs U Darvish, and Burns, with Walker Bueller in fourth. Will any of those numbers drop if Major League Baseball is serious about focusing on illegal substances? Brody? Well, my retort to that would be, yeah, of course he didn't throw very many cutters in 2019 because he had just started to develop it in 2018, had his meltdown season in 2019, and went back to that lab in fall of 19 after the season where he really fixed everything. So the timeline doesn't necessarily add up, but if you want to look at at places (laughs) where, you know, maybe the Cubs might see an effect with their pitching staff, it's probably not their starters. He's probably correct in that. They don't have any any starter that you're just dying to have on your team. Right. But look at the Cubs bullpen. Uh-oh. Are they using any uh, spider tack, some sticky stuff in their bullpen? Because Chicago uh, Cubs bullpen, surprisingly the best bullpen in baseball. Hmm. Yeah. Muy interesante, Nelly. Now, that's, that's honestly probably one of the bigger surprises for me in the NL Central is the fact that the Chicago Cubs have the best bullpen in baseball. Yeah, all of them uh, have that spin rate up in the 90s. Also, I want to point out that uh, Craig Kimbrell, he was an extremely good closer for the Atlanta Braves, has run into some arm issues and and arm injuries. And if you remember correctly, came back and is still a decent pitcher. But then when he got to Chicago, that first year or so, he really got lit up, did not do very well. And now all of a sudden, He's he's back to... Craig Kimbrough, as in like his Atlanta Brave days. I love how yeah. that's definitely. Remember when you you asked when we, I was naming some of the guys that might have been named in those? Yes, it's one of the names. It, it's it's kind of like that career where it was so high, and, and then, then there was a poof. valley, and now all of a sudden there's a a, a jump again. Yep. Well, Craig Kimbrell, who is the closer for the Cubs, he kind of fits that profile. Being completely honest, interesting. Yeah. I love this how they immediately uh, say Cubs are innocent. Brewers are doing it though. Brewers starters, uh, well, regular starters, I should say, are not even in the top 200 <laughs> in four-seam fastball spin rate. And in fact, you had the stat up. The one guy who has the biggest spin rate is, uh, was it Brett? Devin Williams. And But for starting oh, pitchers? For starting pitcher is Lauer. Eric Lauer. And he's like top 100. <laughs> also, one wow. thing with that... This guy, the audacity. This guy, I, did he quote any numbers in there, or is he just... No, he, stuff he just says, to, well, you could you could say that he went to the pitching lab and this this and this and this, but mm, we'll so see what happens with this crackdown. Yes. One player yes. to base this. Yes. Freddie Peralta was actually asked about this, <laughs> and he had a comment saying basically, "Well, you don't have anything to worry about if you're not cheating or not using it." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I anticipate all of us to continue to have success. Yep. That's basically what he said. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have comments coming up because uh, one guy who's public enemy number one on this, Garrett Cole, was like almost bawling his eyes out over the fact that they're taking away these illegal substances. We'll play that coming up. Also got Connor coming up from Madison Forward FC. Yeah, and I'm not exactly sure why Garrett Cole was nearly in tears the way he was because he still cashed in on that huge deal with the New York Yankees. Yeah, he can fine. suck as bad as he wants and never pitch again after this contract, <laughs> and he doesn't have to ever work again. His kids don't ever have to work again. His kids' kids probably don't ever have to work <laughs> again, and probably their kids don't ever have to work Multi-generational again. Multi-generational wealth. Well, Rowdy, someone who doesn't seem innocent about all this when it comes to the Major League Baseball starting to crack down. Yeah, he's almost like admitting to it. <laughs> Garrett Cole. Now, Garrett Cole is on. Isn't he on the text messages? We we read him with the Angels manager, who's kind of at the uh, he's like the public enemy number one of all this. He got fired by the Angels, and now he's like in a lawsuit with Major League Baseball, uh, and there's a you know a counter lawsuit, yada yada yada. This guy's like basically saying like he's the he's the patsy, he's the fall guy. He didn't do it. It wasn't me in the clock tower in the in the book depository. It was someone on the grassy knoll. So. Looking at this guy, uh, was Bubba? His name's Bubba something. Hark, Bubba Harkins or Bubba something like that. He has text messages he revealed with Garrett Cole. Uh, Garrett Cole's like specifically asking for him to make up some stuff, especially stuff that works better in cold weather. Well, Garrett Cole now, <laughs> Rowdy, you sent me this video before I play. It, can you tell the fine folks like what what, what kind of what we're going to expect here of this? Yeah, video? it's Garrett Cole up at the podium asking questions about uh, using like spider tech and and substances to help grip the baseball and he's very offended and almost sounds like he's about to cry here yeah here he is garrett cole uh borderline in tears 
talking about how he can't use spider tack anymore. I just can't. It's it's hard. I mean, it's hard to it's so hard to grip the ball. I just you know I mean, for Pete's sake, it's it's part of the reason why almost every player on the field has has something, regardless if they're a pitcher or not, to help them help them control the ball. Um, I think that um, I don't have a solution, but he sounds like a muppet. Again, we're we're a. He sounds like Kermit the Frog. We are aligned in, in a lot of areas with the commissioner's office on this. And um, please just please just talk to us. Please just work with us. I know you have the hammer here, but, um, you know, there, there's – there's uh, we've been living in a gray area for so long. Um, I would just hate to see players get hurt. I would, I would hate to see balls start flying at people's heads. I had a really tough time gripping the baseball tonight, uh, especially early when it was windy. So, um, I don't really care to be inflammatory here, Joel. I just, uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to leave it at that. Rody, not only does he sound like a Muppet, he sounds like Kermit the Frog's like, like the, the press brother. I'll say this though. The what wind, was that? the wind excuse, the wind I, excuse. I really have had trouble gripping the baseball, especially today when it was windy. Garrett Cole is in on these text messages. That's a terrible excuse. Garrett Cole is in on these text messages. With this guy who's at the precipice of it all, the Angels, like a clubhouse manager, who has been making the sticky stuff for 20, 30 years. Did you ever get a date on those text messages? Like when the text messages were sent? Like was it 2018? Was it 2019? I'll go pull it up. I'll go get it. I'll go get it. Just curious because... Bubba Harkins, that's his name. If you look at Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole's career obviously started out, was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates, came out of UCLA... His numbers were good. His numbers were good since he hit the big leagues at age 22. It's a good pitcher. And they weren't as good as what they were once he got to Houston or what they've been with New York, but he was a good pitcher. That's why he he was obviously wanted in Houston. Mm-hmm. And But you look at his numbers. Out of his five years with the Pittsburgh Pirates, he had three seasons where his ERA were in the threes. He had one season in which his ERA was in the fours, and then he had his 2015 season, which was by far his best one with the Pirates, where he was 19 and eight and had an ERA of 2.60. 2017. That's when the messages were from. Yeah, Bubba Max needs two batches. Well, this is about Scherzer and Garrett Cole. A lot of these text messages that are coming from 2017. Okay, well, let's look at his numbers in 2017. Uh, and then uh, Chatwood. Tyler Chatwood, the Cubs, May 2018. But, yeah, 2017 is the one uh, a lot of them were coming from. Yeah, so 2017, that was by far his worst year as a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. He had a 12-12 record. He had a 4.26 ERA, and he also had a a whip that was his second worst in his so career. in 2017, there's uh, text messages from Garrett Cole saying, hey, Garrett Cole says in his text message, quote, we tried mixing the liquid in it and it definitely helped, but it was a sloppy mess. I feel like incorporating a different ratio from the beginning of the process would be more ideal. Two weeks later, Harkins mailed Cole a made-to-order canister with more pine tar and less moda stick than usual. And then one message came back from uh, Garrett Cole's phone saying, thanks, Bubba, you the man, with an okay hand sign emoji. See, I was just uh, curious if it was going to line up with him going to Houston and being with Justin Verlander. So that's why I was curious on the date, because also named in those reports was Justin Verlander, who Justin Verlander's been around a lot longer than Garrett Cole's been around, especially in Major League Baseball. So Adam Wainwright's in this too. Um, but Justin Verlander, Verlander, Wainwright, Scherzer, he didn't get to Houston until uh, halfway through the 2017 season, so they wouldn't have met up until 2018. Tyler so Chatwood it sounds like uh, Garrett Cole would have been using this stuff even pre-Houston, even pre-being with uh, Justin Verlander. Oh, totally. By the way, I just can't. I can't get over his voice. I just can't. I just can't. It's it's hard. I mean, it's hard to it's so hard to grip the ball. I just you know, I mean, for Pete's sake, it's <laughs> for part Pete's of the sake. reason why almost Dang every gummit. player on the field has has something, regardless if they're a pitcher or not, to help them help them control the ball. Um, All right, there you go. Now There's... I wonder how far back 
this goes then because we we've figured out that the timelines was he's texting this angel employee before he met up with Justin Verlander who was linked to it but then his numbers got even better when he was in Houston with Verlander but uh, for those of you that don't know Garrett Cole went to UCLA and played baseball and he was one of the big reasons for that college world series yeah. team he was the best pitcher on that team he was one of the best prospects in baseball well that guy worked for the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah. He went to UCLA. Yes. University of California, Los Angeles. Yes. I wonder maybe did he start there because he was really, 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 really good in college. Is that why he's crying on the podium? Like when when exactly career, He already got the contract though. Yeah. When exactly do you think he started using this stuff? He's in the same area. Right? This guy's Bubba Harkin's been doing it for freaking 20, 30 years. It's just like uh, Ryan Braun when he's he, he, he's innocent. When he was playing for the Miami Hurricanes and the biogenesis just happened to be going on in Miami right there around the same time. And he the was connected to I'm innocent. And he was connected to uh, PEDs and some of the, the bio stuff that was in there. Also knew Alex Rodriguez. Like there's there's a lot of dots that you can connect with the Braun timeline being at the Miami and Biogenesis. And now uh, the more you dig into Garrett Cole, there's some more connections even back to potentially college playing hey, days. Garrett Cole here. I'm innocent. Rowdy, all right, here's Cole. It's, it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard to – it's so hard to grip the ball. I just, you know, I mean – There's Garrett Cole. For Pete's sake, it's, it's part of the reason why almost every player on the field has, has something, regardless if they're a pitcher or not, to help. That's his voice. Now let's hear uh, Patrick Mahomes. Let's Mike just sports. let's just uh, get this up here. I got him. <laughs> pop? Oh, thank you. Look at that. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've done it in practice. practice. I thought he was just jumping in the stands and he grabbed a he grabbed a camera. Now there's that, and then Rowdy. Let's see if we can hear Kermit the Frog really quick here, because oh my god, I'm, uh, he sounds like a Muppet, dude. Kermit, is that is that you? Kermit, you there? Oh, he's gonna he's gonna play. Yep. People say Patrick Mahomes sounds like Kermit the Frog. No, no, Garrett Cole sounds like Kermit the Frog. Rowdy, before we hit this break here, this all stems from the Chicago Cubs, uh, a writer for. Oh, what was that stupid publication again? The uh, Chicago Herald or something like that. As they're saying that the Milwaukee Brewers. Look out for their three aces because they could be using the the spider tack, this pine tar, the sticky substances. But remind the folks what Freddie Peralta said. Yeah, he said if you're not using it, you have nothing to worry about. And he seemed, at least giving that interview, pretty uh, pretty confident about uh, not doing it and feeling good about going forward with the Major League Baseball's new policy for um, sticky substances in baseball. Robbie, good morning, my friend. How we doing? Welcome to the summer of love, right? <laughs> yes, Robbie. That was we last summer, Rob. <laughs> lots of uh, lots of ways we can play with that headline. That's for sure. If, if, if that is QB one on September twelfth. Well, Rob, do you think he's going to be QB one coming up here? No, you're under the belief it'll be someone else still, right? Yes. Not to put you on the spot like right out the gates, but here we are. No, here's what I'm going to say. My my opinion has changed slightly after watching minicamps. My my belief is he will be QB one on September twelfth. If I had to play, oh! if I had to put twenty dollars down in Vegas right now, I think he's your guy on September twelfth. Let's go, Robbie! Come on, baby, that's what I'm talking about. Before he thought it'd be like, uh, did you see Derek Carr said that if he were to be traded, that he would just quit football? Did you see that? <laughs> I did. Yeah, you know. God forbid, right? He'd actually go to a, you know, go to a place with a hundred years of football tradition that has a roster three times better than the one he's on right now in Las Vegas, right? Who would, who would ever want to do that with their career? Um, <laughs> I, I, I did find that statement comical because, of course, he's been linked to Green Bay in many reports as, as being maybe one of the key pieces if the Packers and Raiders pull the trade and you know Aaron Rodgers for let's just say Carr and four draft picks or something like that. So um, you know what, Evil, a lot of people say things in the heat of the moment or a lot of people just say things that they look back and feel silly about later on. I, I can guarantee you if he was part of a deal 
to come to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers here in the next month or something like that. He would happily show up for training camp on July 27th, and that, and that football team would go 12 and 5. Even. They Rob, really would. Rob, I'm going to be completely honest with you, which I'm always honest with you, but I would do a lot yes, of things far. for multi millions of dollars. Okay. I'm just going <laughs> to throw that out. Like play for the Green Bay Packers. I'm just going to throw that out. Yeah, good, good, good luck. Good luck to Mr. Carr finding another career that's going to, you know, pay him as handsomely as the, as the as the money he's receiving right now. Right. So again, I I, I guess if uh, you know he, he pulled a Barry Sanders or something like that, we we'd all sit there with our mouths agape. But I would I would 100 percent expect him to be in training camp come July 27th if, if he's a member of the Green Bay Packers. Now now the other guy, Evo, that's a whole other story. So we'll. With the, the next five or six weeks are going to be fascinating as, as everybody speculates and, and waits to see what uh, Mr. Rogers is up to. So, Rob, speaking of what Mr. Rogers is up to, uh, I I was uh, chuckling because Aaron Rodgers had his interview with you know The Match, him and Bryson DeChambeau going against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. Tom Brady started teeing off, uh, pun intended for golf, teeing off about you know how you know Rodgers finally has a partner that's going to let him go for it, kind of making fun of the Packers brass and Matt LaFleur for not letting Rodgers go for it, obviously in the NFC Championship game. And Rodgers, you could see a little uncomfortable at first in his facial expressions, but then he got his own shot in too, and a shot at the Packers brass. What was your takeaway on the Rodgers interview with uh, those other three for the match? Yeah, Pretty interesting, and you know he's done that now twice publicly that we've seen. Right, you remember when he was uh, playing Alex Trebek trying to get the Jeopardy job a couple months back? Evo, one of the contestants made reference to that, and 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 there's behind the scenes footage there as well of, of Aaron Rodgers laughing and thanking the contestant for kind of taking a shot at Matt Lafleur um, at that point in time. Lafleur's kind of become almost a, a a punching bag almost to the level that Mike McCarthy was hey. right now for, uh, yeah, your, your guy, um, you know, the, the highly successful Mike McCarthy. Don't forget and, it. And Rogers in the, in the last handful of years of the McCarthy era certainly threw enough barbs in, in that direction and, and made fun of the, the accent and the Pittsburgh macho and decisions and knowledge of football and all those kind of things, Evo, and, and now Matt LaFleur kind of seems to be the guy taking taking the brunt of that. And, um, yeah, you know, let's be fair. Brady put him on the spot, right, in that interview for the match. He, it, it, the microphone came to him. It was his turn to talk. He had to say something. He's always kind of clever and witty when he, when he wants to be. And, and, he, and he took a quick little barb at LaFleur. But, I mean, it, it, I mean it's obvious there. Um, you know, he, he's, he holds a, a, a real resentment and a grudge over that decision. But, but even I go back to that time and time again, right? Yeah. It's third, it's third and goal at the eighth. The play is, the, the play is lingering and, and going on longer than anticipated, and, and Rogers is scrambling and looking for room, and, and he comes to the side where it's just him and Nadal comes through in a foot race to the end zone, and it's Rogers against Sewell from about the 10-yard line, and, you know, Sue at 34 years old or whatever has got to run a 5-2-5-3 right now, Evo. And Rodgers made the decision to force the ball into Devontae Adams instead of taking off for the end zone. And, and Evo, even if he gets tackled at, you know, at the 2 or 3-yard line, the 1, whatever it is, it's a whole other game for Matt LaFleur on fourth and goal from the 2 down 8 versus fourth and goal from the 8 down eight. Now, I'll, I'll never defend LaFleur's decision to, to kick the field goal there, uh, Evo. You know, I think that was completely asinine. But Rodgers didn't help his head coach in that situation either no. by making the decision to throw the ball into double or triple coverage instead of trying to beat Sue to the end zone. Uh, Rob Reichel joining us right now from Forbes.com. Speaking of Forbes.com, Rowdy, uh, Robbie, excuse me, I love your articles on there. They're always a breath of fresh air when it comes to some of the uh, jock sniffers that usually cover the Packers. But <laughs> Rob, I'm looking at this article here, and it go inside, kind of coincides, obviously, with Mark Murphy calling Rodgers a complicated fella. Then you go back, and Mark Murphy's saying, hey, if you believe the Tyler Dunn report, hey, don't be a problem. You know, when uh, they heard uh, Matt LaFleur also, like Murphy calling him a diva. I saw your headline here in your article, does Green Bay Packers president Mark Murphy really want Aaron Rodgers back? Can you give us a little insight, Rob? Yeah, no, no, no. Of course I can. Well, um, you know, it's... It, it is fascinating, you know. The, the, the president of the Packers himself says, you know, in, in a in a letter to the fan base a couple weeks back, the less everybody says right now, the better, right? Less is more. 
in, inside that own inside his own you know letter there to the to the fans, kind of his monthly newsletter that that comes out on on the team website, which is usually PR 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 driven. You know, Murphy takes a shot at Rogers, saying you know that the the the, the situation right now with Rogers has divided the fan base, and whether that was intentional or not, a lot of people certainly perceived it to be Murphy kind of throwing a dagger in the direction of Rogers. And then last week at a team function, absolutely unnecessary. I don't know why he did it. He certainly didn't need to, but he referenced Ted Thompson at one point talking about Rogers and various players. And he referenced Thompson telling him that Rogers is a complicated fellow, <laughs> which is a hundred percent. It totally, it totally is. Anybody that knows Rogers has spent time with him understands that there's a lot of layers and the complexities to this guy. And, and, you know, it's inside that locker room where, you know, there's a lot of simpletons, let's be honest, people. Rogers undoubtedly is one of the more complex and complicated guys that have probably passed through in the last quarter century. But, you know, why Murphy needs to tell that, you know, to an audience that he has at that point in time is certainly questionable. So I raised the question that, you know, with, with him kind of taking a shot at Rogers inside the, inside the team newsletter, and, and then later on, you know, it, you know, saying that Rogers divided the fan base, and then later on saying, you know, that Rogers is a complicated fellow. It certainly raises the question whether the team president wants him back or not. I mean, we can all reflect back to you about 08. Murphy went down and met with five and brought twenty million dollars and, and asked him to stay retired. And and I and we all know obviously now that that, that didn't happen. Favre chose to come back. The things became a circus in Green Bay, and they eventually traded him to the Jets. But everything worked out perfectly, really, in the long run there for Green Bay. The 08 season was kind of a beast. They went 6-10, and 10 and they and they struggled, and Rodgers had his you know first-year hiccups and things along the way. But it certainly set the foundation for them to go back to the playoffs in 09 and win a Super Bowl in 2010. And, you know, you, you deep down, you wonder inside that organization, and certainly with team president Mark Mookie, if they've seen enough from Jordan Love, to think that they can have a repeat of that movie. Because if they trade Aaron Rodgers right now at an all-time high, um, in terms of that asset at this point in time, um, you know, it, it, his his stock right now is through the roof coming off a 48-touchdown MVP season. They will, they will get a king's ransom right now for Aaron Rodgers. And over the next couple of years, Evo, they'll pick up remarkable salary cap space, you know, where Jordan Love's making $3 million and Aaron Rodgers is making in the high 30s. So you're going to pick up $35, $36 million of cap space. So you've got all that cap space, people. You've got, you've got all those draft picks, and you've got a roster right now that's really, really good. It's so simple. If, if Jordan Long, the first-round draft pick that Brian Gutekunst traded up to get, can play, if he's a top-12 or top-15 player, and they draft well, and they pick the two or three right three agents he want to bring in, they will be a Super Bowl-caliber team again moving forward. There will be a hiccup in 2021. No question about it. If, if Jordan Love is the quarterback, <coughs> excuse me, they, you know, it might be a 7-10, and 9-8 and eight kind of a season. I think they're all willing to live with that, minus the drama, to move on if they think the, the, the future that is paved evil for them to have another decade of success. And, and that's why I raised the question, with Murphy taking these little pokes and you know poking the Rodgers there, just what exactly his intention is in you know his his long term goal here is because it makes you wonder whether he does want number twelve back in the building. All right, Robbie. So uh, obviously Aaron Rodgers' watch. It's you know we're in the standstill right now. It's un, uh, an unstoppable object meets an immovable force, or whatever. A movable force meets an unstoppable object, whatever. So we don't know how it's going to happen, but we do know something that's happening. Is the Packers are practicing. They're actually on the field. Not a guy named Aaron Rodgers. But I saw your article as well earlier, you know, talking about the good things for the 2021 squad. What have we seen, Robbie, moving forward here with actual play, actual practice happening for the Green Bay Packers that uh, you think people should know about? Yeah, no, they're finishing up kind of the, you know, the, the off-season program today. Well, most of the veterans aren't there. Last week was mandatory. This is not. And I think when we did see them, Evo, and again, I think people forget this through the through the craziness of the Rodgers drama. There is a lot there on this football team to like. There's a reason this group has gone to back-to-back NFC title games. Evo, number one, I think they're going to have the best running game in football, as long as they get competent or, you know, above-average quarterback play. Uh, the combination of Jones and Dylan, I think it's going to be as good as the NFL has. I mean, I, I really do. And, and, and I think, 
you know, the other element that people forget in this whole Rogers craziness, Evo, is, is the head coach wants to eventually become a run-first operation. He wants to run the football 52, 54, 55 percent of the time if he can, and then have his quarterback, you know, follow the offense, run the play that's called, and and try to be successful that way. Now, there's a there's a playbook for everybody else, and at times there's an Aaron Rodgers playbook, and and Rodgers has, has the freedom and the flexibility to deviate at times, and and he's pretty good at it. I mean, let, let's be honest, and, and and he's made more good decisions, I think, through the course of time than bad. But I'm sure for somebody as smart as Matt Lafleur, who understands offense to the level that Lafleur does, watching 20, 25, 30 percent, whatever the number is, even of his playful change has to become frustrating. So I think the Jordan Love element there factors in as well. And, and if, if the Packers eventually will become a run-first operation with Jones and Dillon and Love is confident and does the right things under center, it's still going to be a really good top five, top eight, top ten offense. So I think that's encouraging. Jordan Love was really encouraging a couple of different days, Evo, in, in minicamp. And, and he looked like a guy that you would trade up to get in round one. Um, things nobody saw a year ago. You're telling me on the Packers in the 2021 season, there is a lot to like. Man, I, I know I know Aaron Rodgers is listening. He might not admit it, but I hopefully it didn't <laughs> run him over and it brings him back, Robbie. Hey, we appreciate your time, Rob. We'll keep following along at Rob Reichel on Twitter, Forbes.com. Before I let you go, though, I know this is a big Bucks fan that you are. Are the Bucks going to get out of the series? Are they going to win the night? Well, they're going to get out of the series. The, 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 the state of Wisconsin is just not going to be happy how they get out of the series. <laughs> they, would, they, they, would, they would get out and have a nice long summer vacation. argument here for me, brother. Best coverage of the Packers goes to you. Have a good one, my friend. Always a pleasure. All right, buddy. You, uh, you enjoyed that boat this weekend. <laughs> I will. See you, Robbie. There he is, Rob Reichel. Forbes.com.